In the market for investment-worthy bags, watches, and fine jewelry, Rebag is the answer. Rebag is a luxury resale platform where each piece is carefully inspected by experts to ensure quality and authenticity. Use Rebag to buy and sell finds from the world's top brands, including Louis Vuitton, Chanel, and Cartier. Head to Rebag.com to get 5% off your first purchase with code REBAGNEW. Shop today at Rebag.com. That's R-E-B-A-G.com. And use promo code REBAGNEW for 5% off your first purchase. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Telegraph. The Telegraph. Podcasts. The Foreign Secretary stands in as Boris Johnson remains in intensive care. If there's one thing I know about this Prime Minister, he's a fighter. Confusion over UK death rates. The daily death toll that we see reported every day has never been the full picture of what's going on. And are tech giants doing enough to tackle fake news? This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis. The Prime Minister remains in a stable condition in intensive care. Foreign Secretary Dominic Raab, who's acting as his deputy, confirmed he'd received oxygen but hadn't required a ventilator. He said Boris Johnson's admission to the ICU on Monday night had taken the cabinet by surprise. It comes as a shock to all of us. He's not just the Prime Minister. For all of us in Cabinet, he's not just our boss. He's also a colleague and he's also our friend. So all of our thoughts and prayers are with the Prime Minister at this time, with Carrie and with his whole family. And I'm confident he'll pull through. Because if there's one thing I know about this Prime Minister, he's a fighter. Mr Robb added that the Prime Minister remains in good spirits and continues to be monitored. Earlier, I spoke to Dr Barrett Pancania, clinical lecturer at the University of Exeter Medical School. He told me much thought will have gone into the Prime Minister's move into the ICU. None of these decisions are taken lightly and it very much is uh, both patient-dependent and the clinician's opinion. And there are strict criteria for Uh, what you wish to do. Having said that, because this happens to be Prime Minister Johnson, it is possible to visualise that extra precautions, extra risk awareness, and just that degree of let us do the best we can has also probably come into play. So it's difficult to tell. But generally speaking, uh, these decisions are made by colleagues as a group team effort and a group decision. Dr. Pankanya, the aim of going into intensive care is really to get you out of intensive care. How does a doctor know when a coronavirus patient is well enough to leave? Oh, that's an easy question. So we would want to be sure that they're maintaining their oxygen levels, that they are 
uh, well in themselves and managing on their own without any assistance. Dominic Raab says he'll fill in for the Prime Minister for as long as is necessary. Under the new arrangements, he'll lead the Cabinet and chair the National Security Council, but he won't hold weekly calls with the Queen. Should he fall ill, Chancellor Rishi Sunak would take over. But it's a difficult task at a difficult time. And The Telegraph's front bench editor, Daniel Capuro, says the job will become more difficult as time goes by. Key thing here is that Dominic Raab does not have the same authority as the Prime Minister. It's only been handed down to him. So all the decisions he makes will have to be in conjunction with the Cabinet. The Cabinet is already split. We know this on how soon to lift the lockdown and what the economic costs of it are. The longer Dominic Raab is in the job, the more difficult decisions on which he doesn't know Boris Johnson's thinking will come up. That's his biggest challenge. One in 20 deaths in England and Wales is now linked to coronavirus, up from one in 100 just seven days ago. That's according to new figures from the Office for National Statistics. The number of fatalities related to the virus by late March was also revealed to be more than 70% higher than the number announced at the time. Only 964 deaths were announced by the government out of the 1,600 people who actually died from the virus. Mistakes, backtracking or just the way these things work? The Telegraph's data journalist Dominic Gilbert tells us why the figures have been revised. So the daily death toll that we see reported every day has never been the full picture of what's going on. There's always an inherent time lag involved in an accurate reporting of the death toll. So the daily death toll from DHSC is is based on reports from individual hospitals across the UK within a 24-hour period. To take out the number of deaths reported to them that have occurred within their hospitals involving patients they know have tested positive for coronavirus. So that obviously doesn't include those who have died outside of the hospital, those who died at home or at a care home. So the ONS data, which comes out a couple of weeks after the official data, takes into account those who have died outside of hospital settings and bases their numbers on those deaths where COVID-19 has been registered on a death certificate. So they work backwards and assign those deaths to the appropriate date. So we get a better idea of how many people have died on a certain day or within a certain time period. So this latest data suggests around one in 10 coronavirus deaths have occurred outside hospital. Um, It's still very early days. Um, These are still experimental statistics and it's only based on the first couple of weeks of the pandemic in the UK. But that said, the best indication of trends in the death rate on a day-to-day basis is still through the daily government's statistics. That's why they're still being released, because they can still show the general trend in movement of the number of deaths, even though it's never quite the entire picture. Mainland China has reported no new deaths from COVID-19 on Tuesday for the first time since its peak in February. According to China's health authority, the number of daily deaths linked to the pandemic has remained in single digits throughout the last three weeks. The commission also recorded a decline in new coronavirus cases after closing its borders to most foreigners in late March. And from Wednesday, some residents will be allowed to leave Wuhan, where the outbreak began. The government is under scrutiny as to whether it's under-reporting its figures. But one thing's for sure, the outbreak has passed its peak. Does success in slowing the spread of the pandemic in East Asian countries come down to strategy or cultural difference? That's the question I put to The Telegraph's Asia correspondent, Nicola Smith. She said it largely comes down to one thing, the fact that several countries have experienced this before. In 2003, Taiwan, Hong Kong and Singapore all had a deadly brush with sudden acute respiratory syndrome, or SARS. 
In 2015, South Korea was severely impacted by Middle East respiratory syndrome. These experiences were traumatic, but East Asia learned some hard lessons. On a government level, national epidemic strategies were strengthened to focus heavily on border management, testing and contact tracing. On a personal level, the public didn't wait to be told what precautions to take. In Taiwan, where I live, people immediately started wearing more face masks in crowded places and on public transport. Public buildings, restaurants and schools all require hand sanitizing and temperature checks before entry. Quarantine has been strictly enforced through monitoring of mobile phones. This is all accepted by the public, not out of a Confucian-style respect for authority, but rather a sense of collective responsibility for public health. Both Taiwan and South Korea have emerged in living memory from dictatorship to become lively democracies with vibrant societies that wouldn't tolerate a return to authoritarianism. East Asian societies have been doing well so far against the virus because of a strong sense of community spirit in health matters. But with the fight against COVID-19 turning into a marathon slog, we can only hope that this resolve lasts in the long term. Disinformation about the coronavirus has already cost lives. That's according to the House of Commons Foreign Affairs Committee. And today, WhatsApp and YouTube have both announced more stringent rules to tackle the spread of misinformation. The Telegraph's technology reporter Matthew Field reports. This morning, I searched on Twitter for the latest news on Boris Johnson. The first post that appeared was a piece of false information about his health sent from an account purporting to be the BBC. It had already gained 700 shares. Misinformation is spreading more quickly than ever. The World Health Organization has said there is an infodemic around coronavirus. Tech giants that run apps like Facebook, WhatsApp, Twitter and YouTube claim they have stepped up in their fight against fake news. But many experts see it as too little, too late. So far, WhatsApp has said it will stop users from forwarding messages to multiple contacts while this may unfortunately halt the spread of another massive lasagna joke. Actually, at the moment, as we speak, they're building like the massive lasagna sheets um, and they're just going to start making the layers. A viral voice memo claiming the Ministry of Defence was taking over Wembley Stadium to feed Britain with the world's biggest lasagna. It could also slow the spread of fake claims from my mate's sister's brother who works at a hospital in Leeds. WhatsApp says previous changes had cut the reach of such messages by 25%. It may be too late. Fake claims have gone wild on social media. One nonsense claim is that coronavirus is somehow caused by 5G mobile phone technology. It's not the virus that's getting people sick. It's 5G network from the radiation. This has led to real-world incidents of harassment and even arson attacks against telecoms towers. Social media companies are still too slow to act. A video featuring a prominent conspiracy theorist yesterday got hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube, spouting nonsense claims about coronavirus before it was taken down. At first, YouTube said it would simply downrank such conspiracy videos. But today, it has gone further and says it will delete them entirely. Tech firms have been summoned to answer to ministers over the spread of fake news. What's not clear is how far they are willing to go against freedom of expression to tackle the plague of misinformation. 
after a few weeks of heavy news, some welcome relief from the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Jacinda Ardern has confirmed that the Easter Bunny and the Tooth Fairy are essential workers and can therefore continue to leave their houses. The country is on a similar level of lockdown to the UK, but the Prime Minister had this reassurance for children concerned about the Easter weekend. You'll be pleased to know um, that we do consider both the Tooth Fairy and the Easter Bunny to be essential workers. Um, but as you can imagine at this time, of course, they're going to be um, potentially quite busy at home with, with, their, with their family as well and their own bunnies. And so um, I say to the children of New Zealand, if the Easter Bunny doesn't make it to your household, um, then uh, we have to understand that it's a bit difficult at the moment for the bunny to perhaps get everywhere. She's encouraging children to draw pictures of Easter eggs and place them in their windows instead. If you have a question you'd like one of our journalists or experts to answer, maybe you want to know more about the search for a vaccine, or perhaps you'd like some advice on how to celebrate Easter, since our government has yet to declare the Easter Bunny a key worker, send me an email or a voice note. The address is coronaviruspodcast at telegraph.co.uk. This is Coronavirus, the latest from The Telegraph. I'm Theodora Leloudis and I'll be back on Wednesday evening with another update. In the meantime, stay up to date on all of our unrivaled news and global health coverage completely free for your first month by going to telegraph.co.uk slash audio or for your first six months if you're an NHS worker. I'll put details of how to claim that in the show notes to this episode. <laughs> 